It is Friday, September 15th. I'm Scott Sadenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Eagles beat the Vikings, kicking off week two of the NFL. And Dion says it's personal. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Eagles 34-28 winners to kick off week two. It is a football Friday. That is the Vegas lead. We'll run through the college stories as well. But let's start with last night's game. 34-28, a win and a push on the six, a loss on the six and a half. But a win at minus five and a half at Circa. That's what I was yeah, going to ask on, you, Mackenzie. If you were tracking the line movement, where were we as th- as we went throughout the day on Thursday? Fez always puts it like this. This is one of those games that the pros live for, that the pros, every single one, made money. And though Joes sometimes do not make money because it's all about getting the right number, could have had six and a half with the Vikings, one. Could have had five and a half at close. It closed six in most places. You shouldn't have lost money on this game if you're doing it right. It's interesting. Yeah, I uh, I looked at I was leaning to Vikings. So to me, like the, the Vikings covered. Uh, mm-hmm. They covered everything except well, they pushed on the six, but didn't cover the the last last of the last numbers when it finally touched five and a half. Uh, but I was on the over on this game. I'm not a, a huge amount, but I you know threw some covered ca- every number, threw some cash down, and uh, in the first half I was very frustrated because this was about the sloppiest game we've seen so mm. far. The, the, like this made Josh Allen look like he'd never had a turnover. Uh, <laughs> this was, this was, uh, it, it was turnovers galore in this game, and it was every time it looked like a team was going to go down and score, give the ball away. Yep, uh, it was very frustrating. But the Eagles dominated in the run game, and it felt like once they got a lead, that's all they needed. I think you're going to see that a lot when the Eagles get a lead. They are going to be very difficult to beat. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to cover a lot of games. I certainly don't know if it's going to cover a lot of numbers that are up around a touchdown or more. But it's going to win them a lot of football games because they are hard to stop. If you give them three chances to run the football, chances are good. They're going to get a first down and do it again. And what a night for DeAndre Swift, the homecoming, his first game as a member of the Philadelphia Eagles in his home city of Philadelphia, playing in front of friends and family. 28 carries, 175 yards, and a touchdown. And you can make the argument, should have been three touchdowns. Got tackled at the one-yard line twice. Yeah. And then Jalen Hurts with the tush push, scoring the two rushing touchdowns there. As a DeAndre Swift fantasy owner, I was very frustrated by those tackled at the one-yard line instances, but glad he got it into the end zone in the second half. And, you know, you watch the Eagles in their first game where Kenneth Gainwell was the lead back and DeAndre Swift was a non-factor. He carried the ball one time for three yards. He had one catch for zero yards. Kenneth Gainwell was the lead back for the Eagles. He was out last night, and so Swift was able to emerge. I don't know what the future of this Eagles backfield is going to look like, but with that performance last night, it's hard for Nick Sirianni to not say, hey, the guy that we traded for 
is going to be my lead back now. Yeah, it's interesting because you can also look at it as, well, one of the guys had to run against the New England Patriots defense and mm-hmm. one of them had to run against the Minnesota Vikings defense. Uh, but, yeah, DeAndre Swift certainly has at least made himself a bigger part of the conversation than he was. I don't think we're going to see any more one-touch weeks from DeAndre Swift. As far as running the ball on the other side, though, I said this last week, and I, I think we're seeing more and more that this is true. The Vikings did not cut Dalvin Cook because they didn't value Dalvin Cook, the player. They don't value running the football. Eight carries, 28 yards for Alexander Madison, one carry, zero yards for Ty Chandler. If you add that up, nine rushing attempts in the entirety of the game, 48 for Philly, nine mm-hmm. for Minnesota. Minnesota believes that running the ball is is bad business. Yeah, we talked about this on the Dream Pod. We talked about it on the same game parlay pod. The weekend getaway parlay won last That's night, it. boys. Cash it. We had the over in Kirk Cousins' pass attempts. He finished with 44. We had the over in Kirk Cousins' completions. He finished with 31. And the over in TJ Hawkinson, four and a half completion uh, receptions, he finished with seven. Uh, The other part of that was to fade Justin Jefferson. That did not work out as he had 11 catches for 159 yards. A couple of those catches, though, he stole the ball from Darius Slay. Like, as someone who had a Kirk Cousins over a half an interception prop last night, (laughs) I thought Darius Slay should have had at least two picks last night that Justin Jefferson stole from him. Yeah, Justin Jefferson's a freak. He he was unguardable. And we talked about how difficult it was going to be for Philly to double-team him, and they Mm -hmm. really couldn't. Uh, so he ends up having a big day. Jordan Addison had a nice day as well. Uh, Hawkinson had hit like, but Hawkinson it was weird because he had four catches and the touchdown in the first half, and then he was a non-factor until their final drive when he caught the two catches in a row and then the touchdown. Because the game was wasn't competitive for yeah. a good chunk, like so they were going deep, deep, deep. They mm-hmm. were take, trying to take those deep shots to Osborne or to to Jefferson, and it kind of took the the mid-range game out. Uh, Hawkinson is essentially the Vikings' running game. You know, yeah. I, ta- I talked about how they don't run the ball. Instead, when they when they're Short trying, passes. it's just yeah. dink and dunk to Hawkinson. When the game was a little out of reach, that's when the Vikings took Hawkinson out of play, basically stopped quote unquote mm-hmm. running the ball, and were looking to only take deep shots. And you're gonna see this like for the entire season for Hawkinson. So last night he finishes with the seven catches for 66 yards on eight targets in Week One. Mm-hmm. Eight catches on nine targets for 35 yards. He's going to rack up the receptions. Yeah, I, I mean, he's there. He is essentially their short yardage game. Here's what I think: the Vikings are pro- they're, they're clearly worse than they were a year ago. Well, they can't hold on to the football. Last night, the, the turnovers were bad. But here's what I believe about them: they are going to backdoor you a lot. They are going to if if you're getting them as a dog, they're never out of things. Because if you were watching that game last night, shortly after halftime. Most teams, you would have thought they're dead. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings, they just keep chucking the football, and it keeps them in games that they would otherwise. I mean, this is a team that came back from 33 nothing a year ago. Yeah. So I, I'm scared to to fade the Vikings as, as dogs, uh, particularly anything more than a field goal, because they're, there's a reason why they were, they were 11-0 in close games. But the fact that they played 11 one-score games last year should also set off alarm bells to you that this team is in every game, which means fading them when they're when they're a big dog is usually not a, a good idea, in my opinion. So how do we evaluate both of these teams moving forward? McKenzie, looking ahead to week three, let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the victors here. They'll play on Monday night in Tampa 
against the Bucks and Baker Mayfield, and we'll see what the Bucks are able to do here on Sunday. But what are we looking at for that spread coming up in Week Three? And will the game push? So the look-ahead lines are probably going to stay pat. Eagles are six and a half to seven-point favorites Monday night at Tampa Bay. Minnesota hosts the Chargers. They're two-point underdogs. They are favored to go zero and three. And that's it. They're at home against the Chargers. Yeah, that's a that, that's a big statement, especially considering where the Chargers are right now. So I would think that that I think the Vikings line could change depending on what we see from the Chargers sure. going to Tennessee, because then you're talking about back to back road games for the Chargers, and you're also talking about a a very good home field advantage that the Vi- the Vikings do have I- in Minnesota. So maybe, and it's the whole Owen to desperation. Right. Hey, let me ask you a question, AJ. You said he, the Vikings are clearly worse than they were last year, but last week you said they should have won against the Viking against the Buccaneers. You said you know turnovers, which makes sense, and they met expectations. Maybe they're not worse. Maybe it, they just had two tough games. Maybe not. And you're right. It, it, but it's man, when you're a team who's got seven turnovers in two games, right? It's hard to say that that's a t- like a team that they're certainly not going to win 13 games. We know that. So like in the in the grand scheme of actual wins and losses, you, analytics, whatever. But in the grand scheme, there's no way this is a 13-win no. team again. We know that for sure. But you're right. Without the turnovers, this team could be 2-0 and with a win over the defending NFC champions right now. The fact is they keep turning the football over, yeah. so it's becoming – I mean, if if turnovers didn't exist, the Bills would be 1-0 and and the Jets would be 0-1 and and the sky would be falling in New York, but it's not. So this is uh, – it, it is funny how these small data points make such a big difference in perception – the Vikings haven't really been bad. And I, and you know what? Let's flip it to the other side. I asked you guys this in pre-production. The Eagles are now 2-0. Two they, pushes on the spread almost. Yeah, they, they've, not, they've not exceeded expectations by any means. And if anything, I would say I'm a little underwhelmed by the Eagles. Less so this, this game than last week. I, after watching the game last week, I felt like the Eagles were lucky to win that game. I don't think they were lucky to win this game, but I do think they were lucky to cover. Well, I'm interested to see the Eagles when they're not up big because they were up 16-0 in the first quarter. They were up 27-7 in this game. So it makes sense they're going to do three yards in a cloud of dust as much as possible to milk, milk away those games. That's not how you say it, is it? But anyway, uh, you know, TBD for the Eagles offense. They look just as good as they did last year running the ball, but we'll see when they have to you know, be a little more aggressive. Well, their, their next two games, or let's, their next three games, at Bucks, home commanders, at Rams, Someone tells me they're not trailing right. a lot they in those games. Away some more games. It's, mm. It seems like the, the Eagles may be off to a really good start this season. I got to be honest, when thinking about the Vikings and just looking ahead to next week, if they're home underdogs to the Chargers, I think we got to be on them. It'll be the 0-2 desperation at home, right? Right. And, you know, I just ran the, uh, the, the query here. If it's week three, you're a home dog and you're 0-2. Since 2012, it's a small sample size at 16 and 11, but that's that's 59.3% against the spread. 60% that's cover rate against the spread is pretty What's the margin pretty, on that? 2.46, the average line, three and a half, or 3.8 is the average line. That so, makes sense. They're, they're going to make them a two-point dog. I think they should be a pick them or better. So, yeah. yeah I, think that, I think that's two points off. It's something to watch for, for sure. Uh, I think the Vikings, again, if we assume they're going to be home dogs to the Chargers at 0-2. Which was the look at line. Yeah, I think we look at the home dog playing with desperation, 0-2. You can't start a season 0-3. You know? I, I think it depends on what the Chargers do. If the Chargers are 0-2 as well, who knows? That's going to be two desperate teams. I, I, I think that, that changes the conversation even. So we have to look at we, – we need a Chargers win. Yeah. 
how about we put the query an opponent's previous is a win. So your opponent's coming off a win, 7-9 and nine ATS. That's Whoa. not good. So you need a loss, actually. What maybe. about the opponent's previous is a loss? You're Wow. Okay. If your opponent's coming off of a loss, if you are a home dog in week three, you're 0-2, and you're facing a team that's coming off of a loss, 9-2 and two against the spread. Yeah. 8-3 and three straight up. Wow. Covering by eight points per game. Yeah. That's strong. That is strong. So if the Chargers lose, but you know what? Let's see if the other team is 0-2 because the Chargers would be 0-2, right? Right. So if the Chargers are 0-2 and the Vikings are 0-2, 3-1 ATS. To the Vikings? To the Vikings. The home team? Yeah. Okay. I think regardless, we got to play the Vikings as a home dog next week. Chargers ran for like 250 yards. Vikings just gave up 250 yeah, yards. That's a good point. That a good point. Well, this is a conversation that will be had on next week's Dream Pod. I can well, promise you that. Also, consider what you just said. If the if the Chargers come off a win, the numbers are upside down. You don't yeah. want to back the Vikings because yeah, yeah. then it, then it's pretty clear the Vikings are the Chargers have less problems than the mm-hmm. Vikings. Before we get to the rest of the games, I, Sports Center shared a Justin Jefferson stat last night that I thought you guys might be interested in. Worst fumble in history. Uh, it was pretty bad. <laughs> Especially when you've got the over. (laughs) At that point in the game, it was extremely frustrating. At just 24 years old, Justin Jefferson already has more career receiving yards than any Chicago Bears receiver (laughs) in the team's history. The Bears played their first NFL game in 1920. You guys remember Chris Conway? Yeah. He made the Pro Bowl in the 90s. (laughs) Well, less less career receiving yards than Justin (laughs) Jefferson. Uh, Pretty fascinating how good Justin Jefferson has been. Well, let's take a look at the rest of the NFL schedule for this Sunday, odds courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. And we'll start in Jacksonville, where the Jags are three-and-a-half-point home dogs to the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs coming off the loss in Week 1, extra prep time, which you know we would think is usually a strength for Andy Reid because he's so good coming off of a bye. But we ran the numbers during the Dream Pod, McKenzie. It's actually not that great when he's in this kind of Extended rest. Extended rest. That's not a bye week. It's just like a half of a bye week. Yeah, it's right. He's right around 500 ATS, so it doesn't tell a story. I, I like that the Chiefs paid Chris Jones. Uh, this is they're instantly better on defense, mm-hmm. and they're going up against a Jags O line that already has issues. Um, the Chiefs also coming off a loss or a strong play. Twelve points per game they won by last year, coming off a loss, and I think. This game, if Kelsey's announced in, and my, this is news I got from my wife, my wife who religiously listens to the Kelsey Brothers podcast for whatever reason, really? she's fascinated by it. Uh, she thinks they're so funny and so cute, which is great for me. Uh, <laughs> Heard he's been hanging around with Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, so, but she said that he, Travis Kelsey on his podcast said he's feeling way better. Okay. So if he plays, I think this number goes to four and a half. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if you want to bet the Chiefs and you think Kelsey's going to play, you do it now. And then I look back at the playoff game last year. Mahomes, two touchdowns, 79 QBR in the playoffs against Jacksonville. While most people thought he wouldn't even be able to play. Yeah, high he, angle was, he was on one leg, mm-hmm. like hopping on and off the field on one leg, and he still beat the Colts. Or, or excuse me, the Jags. I, the Jags covered against the Colts, but it, it, they didn't impress me. I, I thought, the, you know, if the Colts' bummy backup running back doesn't fumble twice, 
the, the Colts probably win that game, and then we're looking at a five-point spread here uh, for the Chiefs. So you, you don't get the Chiefs less than four very often, so it's the only way I'd look. The Raiders are at the Bills. Buffalo an eight-and-a-half-point favorites. This has gone down a whole point since when we recorded the Dream Pod. Yeah, um, and I, I like the Bills. I, I I believe in these stats. The Bills are bullies. Last year against non-playoff teams, they were 10-1. and one. Their average margin of victory, 15 points per game. In the games against playoff teams, they were 3-2. and two. Their average margin victory, one point. Mm. When they play bad teams, they let them have it. They wear them out. I still think the Raiders aren't a playoff team. Uh, and if you, if you take out the – if you put the sample non-playoff teams in home games, it goes to 20 points per game. They just blow these teams out at home. And the Raiders defensively, I still think, have some issues. They weren't exposed last week by Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson didn't throw anything deep. I, I, Josh Allen is still going to he's still going to attack, and I, I think he eats up this Raiders defense. And Jacoby Myers still in the concussion protocol, did not practice yesterday. Chandler Jones obviously still not with the team. Uh, Devontae Adams was a full participant in practice after not practicing on Wednesday. And Chandler Jones would be a huge addition because I've talked about it with the Jets, able to yep. get all this pressure yep. on, the, on the through the Bills' offensive line. When you've got Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, it's like, ooh, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. What the Bills will do now is they'll just have an extra tight end on the field. They'll keep one one to run routes and one to block, which is what kind of a luxury they have now that they drafted Dalton Kincaid. Yep. Uh, and they'll just double-team Max Crosby and find, find someone else. We have the Lions, five-point home favorites over the Seahawks. Seattle dealing with a bunch of injuries this week. They are, but listen, the, the, Ram, or the, the Rams uh, are going to make the Seahawks look bad more often than not. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. They... Pete or Sean McVay has solved Pete Carroll. He's <laughs> solved that puzzle. But the Lions only put up 14 points with their offense last week against Kansas City. And Kansas City was without their best defensive player. And it's not like we think Kansas City is some great defensive team. And the Lions offense put up 14. Are we sure this is the same offense from last year? Are, you sh- are we sure that they're not going to miss DeAndre Swift? Are we mm-hmm. sure that uh, they're just going to go out there and click? The Lions are, are better and they've got home field. But I don't know, even with the, the Seattle O-line injuries, if I can get to get, getting five points uh, with Seattle. So I, I lean to the Seahawks here. What do you guys make of this total? Open 51, there was 90 and 80 points scored in the last two times these guys matched up. Dropped to 47. I don't understand. I know there's Seahawks injuries on the offensive line. Eight of the, a big drop. Eight of the last nine Lions home games saw at least 51 points scored. Wow. Eight of nine. Eight of the last nine home games. Well, it makes me – I wouldn't play the under, especially yeah, now that it's steam. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'll pass on that. We have the, I think I'm going to play the over. The Ravens at the Bengals, Cincinnati, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, you and I cross-fired on this game. Uh, if Joe Burrow wasn't healthy a week ago, I don't, I don't think he can be healthy in this game. And after playing the worst game of his career last year, he's got to go against this Ravens team that really gave him a hard time last year. He, of his four lowest QBR games last season, three of them came against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so he has struggled against them. The, the Ravens' injuries are certainly mounting up, but they do get Mark Andrews back, it looks like, which is a big boost for the offense. Uh, and there's some good underdog trends on the Ravens. 18-3-1 as underdogs the last five years. So I don't want to fade the Ravens as a dog. Six of the last eight games decided between the Bengals and the Ravens by double digits. Mm. It's okay. not These teams don't exactly play – you know, all close games. Like, okay, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, 
13 of the last 16 yeah. one-score games. But six of the last eight between the Bengals and the Ravens have been double-digit games. So the Ravens blow them out. Well, that's why you didn't care about the half point. You're that's like, why I don't three, care. three and a half. Don't care about it. Let's the go. Bengals are going to win. They're going to win by double digits. All right. Uh, Chargers, three-point favorites at the Titans. And unsure of the status of Austin Eckler in this one. Yeah, but you know what? Josh Kelly had like 90-something yards last week. Mm-hmm. It, it, if the if the Chargers are going to be a run-heavy offense, it'd be nice to have Eckler out there. I don't think against Tennessee that will be the game plan. I, I think they're going to attack those cornerbacks, and this is this is something that the, the biggest issue for with not having Eckler is him in the passing game. That's the part I would worry about. But instead, I think he just spreads it around to these wide receivers. I'll say this. I have no interest. Vrabel's as a dog. I don't want to fade him because he's mm-hmm, so good mm-hmm. as an underdog. Ryan Tannehill, you can say what you want about Zach Wilson or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. I think Ryan Tannehill was the worst quarterback in the league last week. Maybe, maybe Bryce Young is in that conversation, but Ryan Tannehill Daniel Jones deserves consideration. Yeah, you're right. Ryan Tannehill just looked lost though, and there's no way we agree the Chargers offensively against the Dolphins looked fine. It was the, 58 minutes at least. Yeah, the defense was the problem. There's no way this Titans offense can do to the Chargers no what the Dolphins did. Uh, I, I'd like to see more shots downfield, and the Titans covered against the Saints, but, man, I didn't walk away from that game feeling like, ooh, nice job, Titans. Mm-hmm. Like, If anything, I'm more concerned about Tennessee than I was. Yeah, and RJ and Fez on the Dream Preview Monday recap show gave out Titans under 7.5, minus mm-hmm. 120. The Falcons, one-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Packers. McKenzie, correct me if I'm wrong, but this has been a line flip. Yes, Falcons were favored in the look-ahead, became dogs after everyone was so impressed with the Packers' 18-point win in Chicago. Now with the injuries mounting up, the Falcons are now the favorite again. They're one-and-a-half-point favorites. Which is uh, the fact that I love that in the contest, the Golden Nugget contest, AJ and I took the Falcons at plus one-and-a-half. And I got to imagine everyone will be on that because they are now minus one and a half. How are the Falcons favored or how were they or how are they dogs, home dogs in this game? I don't just... understand. Well, I'm going to give you a little stat. Desmond Ritter, I don't think likes airplanes or or buses because he has never lost a home game as a starting quarterback in college or the NFL. Oh, wow. <laughs> Undefeated at home in Cincinnati, 26-0 and 3-0 as the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. And in those three games... He has thrown three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 6.9 yards per attempt, and the Falcons have scored 24.7 points per game. That's compared to on the road, 13.5 points per game, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 5.3 yards per attempt. Something about home cooking, I like to back him at home. Well, remember the Packers defense last year really struggled against the run. Five yards per carry, 28th in the league. Atlanta, I don't know how good they're going to be passing the ball. I don't know how good Desmond Ritter is going to be. It looks like they're trying to take more and more off his plate, but their offense is going to run the ball against everybody. They, they've got excellent run blocking. Uh, they've got excellent run scheme, and they've got excellent running backs, two of them. Uh, we haven't even seen Cordero Patterson start to run the ball yet, so it may have another one if they need it. But it, th- this Falcons team is very old-school, mm-hmm. smash-mouth football. I think that plays well against this this Packers team. And also – Jordan Love, as great as he looked last week, he was playing against a high school defense. Yep. The Bears, they didn't even breathe on Jordan Love last week. 
The Falcons defense got after Bryce Young. I expect him to get after Jordan Love. Make him make him make some quicker decisions, and we'll see if a young quarterback, an inexperienced quarterback, looks good when he's got to make a quicker decision with the football. Bears are at the Bucks. Tampa laying two and a half points. I like the Bears here. I don't know how you could. I, I mean, I don't like the Bears. If I had to play a side, it would be the Bears, and it's mostly because I don't think the Bucks are any better than I thought they were a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so beating Minnesota in a game that they really got smashed in the stats, Minnesota just kept giving the ball away to them. So I mean, yeah, you you won a, the Bucks won a game by three points that they won the turnover battle in three to zero. Uh, do you feel better about Tampa now? I certainly don't. I do. Baker Mayfield's good. I mean, he's been the most hot and cold quarterback the last five years. Rookie year is great. Made it to the playoffs and had his worst year of his career after that. I think the team now can say, hey, we have a good quarterback. He was eighth in our QBR PFF composite. I feel like not only is he better than I expected, but the Buccaneers are going to feel like they have more of a chance than they came into the season. Well, like. the Baker was good enough that the Bucs are now a favorite, and Baker is a favorite. 11 wins, 23 losses. He has failed to cover the last eight games that he went into the game as a favorite. Do you know the last team that he covered as a favorite? The last team that, that he covered he, he against? Yeah. 26-6. Chicago Bears, week three, 2021. (laughs) There you go. Losing is contagious. The Bears have lost 11 straight games going back to last season. They're bad. They're bad. They are bad. They are bad. Uh, I don't think Matt Eberfuss will be there for long. But the Bears were minus one and a half before last week's games. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have gotten plus one and a half. Joke. They were also at a seven and a half win total, which was also a joke. That's true. Uh, Colts are at the Texans. Houston, a one and a half point favorite. Another line that's been flipped. Yeah, this was Indy minus one when we did the Dream Pod uh, on Wednesday. So the Texans looked better than I expected on the defensive side, especially. C.J. Stroud was bad. Anthony Richardson was better, but do I want to bet the Colts on the road? Not, Not particularly. The Colts are 13-6-2 straight up against the Texans in the last 10 years. They've only lost twice in Houston over the last 10 seasons. But with new head coaches and new quarterbacks, I, I don't think there's anything bettable here. Do you guys see anything that I'm missing? No, no. I want to fade rookie quarterbacks. I love the rookie quarterbacks. I can't do it here. <laughs> so do you play the under? Is that the <laughs> – Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, quarterbacks starting in their rookie season, 1-14 straight up, 2-13 ATS, very bad offensive numbers. Maybe we play under 40 here if we can get it. I am surprised. Available that, at circa under 40. I am surprised that this has flipped to the Texans being a favorite because if you watch the two games last week, I you certainly feel better about the Colts' performance. Yeah, one game was competitive. Than you did about the Texans. So I, this is it's, it's a little weird to me that the Texans are now favored, but again, I don't want any of my real money on this game. So no Anthony Richardson had 10 rushing attempts, and his six designed runs in week one, second only behind Jalen Hurts, who had seven designed runs. Not surprised so at all. So it's clearly what the offense is going to look to do with him at quarterback. Uh, the 49ers are at the Rams. San Francisco laying seven and a half on the road. Listen, there's a lot of stuff. A lot of the numbers from last week say – Rams the history between Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan is absolutely enough for me at a minimum to say I will not bet the Rams in this game it's like I talked about with the Seahawks and the Rams I'm not going to bet the Seahawks against the Rams until Sean McVay or Pete Carroll dies or is fired <laughs> I will, tires, hopefully. I, I will not bet the Rams until Kyle Mc, uh, Kyle, Kyle, Mike Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay retire or die. Kyle just owns this matchup. Ten and three ATS against Sean McVay. 
The Rams haven't won a regular series matchup in this series since 2018. And I'll be honest, you guys tell me what you think. Of all the teams I saw last week, if I said, has my opinion been strengthened or weakened most on any team in the league, I think it was the 49ers. Because if I, I was, unlike some of the other people in the, the I guess, the roundtable, the wise guy roundtable, I mean, obviously, RJ and, and Fez were way negative on the 49ers. I think you were down on the 49ers, not as extremely as those guys. I've just been kind of neutral, saying I kind of sure. want to see what happens. Last week showed me Brock Purdy is is he's fine. Mm-hmm. He's going to be fine. He is a, a a starting caliber NFL quarterback. And if the 49ers have a starting caliber NFL quarterback, they are again one of the best teams in football. They they've really opened my eyes again. I I don't like the number here. I don't want to bet the 49ers this week. But there is no way in hell, no matter what the numbers say, that I'm backing the Rams against Kyle Shanahan. And you're not alone. If you look at the sharp books like the Westgate, they have the 49ers as the Super Bowl favorites, plus 500 mm. at the Westgate right now. Uh, Fez took them from fifth in his power ratings to first. I feel like they made a statement, and a lot of, a lot of people consider, not Kevin Cole, he still has him fifth. i got to talk to him about that. <laughs> but a lot of people consider him the best in the league right now. I think one thing to consider also is, though, Matt Stafford was healthy for the first time in a long time. And that Rams team last week, again, it was against a team that they historically dominate, so it's hard to take a lot from it. But Matt Stafford looked like Matt Stafford again, even without Cooper Cup on the field. Puka Nachua looked like Cooper Cup. Uh, so if if that's the Matt Stafford we get, the Rams are going to, no matter what else happens, if that Matt Stafford is out there every week and healthy, the Rams are going to be way better than anybody thought they were going to be. This next game is very interesting because the line has gone down, and I have no idea why. When we did the Dream Pod, the Giants were laying five and a half at Arizona, and now the Giants are four-point favorites at Arizona. Now, four, five and a half, dead, dead numbers. Zone. It doesn't matter. But I don't know matter why. Matter some. Every point matters sure, some. Sure. But I don't know why money's coming on the Arizona Cardinals. The trends could not be more dominant in favor of the New York Giants. First, we have the Giants, a perfect 7-0. and That includes, like, their first playoff game. 7-0. and Eight against the spread after a loss last year. So they lose the game. The next week, Brian Dable has them covering. They covered those seven games, an average margin of 8.1 points. And then we have Daniel Jones, who is 21-10 against the spread after a straight-up loss. And in the last four seasons, 18-5 and ATS. So that makes Daniel Jones the most profitable quarterback against the spread after a loss since the year 2020. And on the road, Daniel Jones, 19-8 and eight against the spread. He is the number one most profitable road against the spread quarterback since he was drafted in the NFL. The Giants have been a good covering road team since, like, Tom Coughlin. Like, why do you think that is? Since 2010, they're way better at home ATS-wise than on, just buttoned up. I mean, on the road than Business-like. at home. Business-like. Some people just like, you know. And, and I think it's because they have bad fans. That's my opinion. Well, it's not really not, – not, not a big advantage there. Okay, and, okay. You know, But also, then we have the trends of teams that get shut out and how they do the following week. Teams that get blown out and how they do the following week. Every trend line points to the Giants winning and covering this game. Oh, and the Cardinals suck. (laughs) Yeah, here's the thing, and this is why I believe this line. I don't know if this is the only reason lines moved, but I think Joe Public would much rather back Arizona than the Giants in this game because what they see, standalone Sunday night game, the Giants looked worse than anybody. What they see with Arizona, 
Arizona played really tough with Washington. They covered. It's easy to say that, but the Cardinals played so poorly, in my opinion. They they had nine points with their offense. They end up with 16 on the board in a cover. That doesn't happen if Sam Howell doesn't literally drop the football on the ground and have the Cardinals recover it for a touchdown. I don't. I think this Cardinals team is still an absolute mess, and I think the Giants going up against a defense that is not world class. Mm-hmm. Like they, it's kind of what I think. What I said about Buffalo, they're the like, opposite. You, you, Buffalo's taking the training wheels off now, and like the, the offense, they were so worried. Or I guess the Jets are the weights. It's like running with ankle weights. Now you're taking those weights off your your ankles. You're a lot faster when the defense isn't great. I think the Giants experienced some of that. You're not playing against the Cowboys. Suddenly, your offense that looked so shitty looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I'd only back the Giants here. Uh, I mean, the, the Cardinals may have the weakest home field advantage in football. I I, I don't get this money coming in on Arizona. Uh, side note with the Arizona Cardinals, the Jets should trade for Kyler Murray. I heard that today. Because let's say— But then he- the Cardinals would have to tell the truth about him being healthy. Well, or just what if he's <laughs> he's not healthy, but he can he will be ready to play in week twelve by week eight, yeah, week nine. Be exciting, you know. Zach Wilson holds it down, goes five hundred maybe or, or or whatever. And then, Zach Wilson's gonna feel so bad though. Imagine then, you're starting for oh six God. weeks while you're waiting for Kyler Murray to get and healthy. then you bring in Kyler Murray, and then you know the Cardinals are gonna move on without him. And you, I mean, you have assets. You, he'll be on the contract. Well, and then the Jets pay Kyler Murray $36 million a year until 2027. That sounds terrible. Listen, Robert Sala will say you can play all the Call of Duty you want, bro. <laughs> Do, are, you cer- are you certain that Kyler Murray is a good quarterback? No. And and to me, when you've got a team like but the I'm Jets not certain have— he's a terrible quarterback. When you've got a team like the Jets have that are, play great defense and run the ball, I want a low-variance quarterback who's not going to fuck things up for me. Kyler Murray feels like someone that will, will just— Hey, the more runs my quarterback can do, the less times he's throwing interceptions. All right. Well, there you <laughs> go. He has actually a really quick uh, get, getting the ball out of his hands. He was one of the quickest in the league last year. He doesn't seem particularly tur- turnover prone. He's like the 14th best quarterback. He's not particularly great, but he's decent. Okay. I'd be okay if, I, if, if the Jets had Kyler Murray. Until 2027. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Jets, they are nine and a half point dogs at the Dallas Cowboys. And. I do think this is a little bit of an overreaction, and I understand the overreaction. But, Mackenzie, what was this look-ahead line prior to the Aaron Rodgers injury? And then what was the line on, I guess, Tuesday right. after the Aaron Rodgers injury? Cowboys were three-and-a-half-point favorites, jumped up to seven-and-a-half after Rodgers was officially out. Then it moved to nine-and-a-half, where it is at DraftKings right now. Some of the sharper books have moved to eight-and-a-half. There's some pushback against this line move. And it was seven and a half when we knew all this information. So I feel like that's where it should be. Yeah, I think it should be seven and a half. I think nine and a half is too much. Uh, I agreed with the initial move after the Aaron Rodgers injury, but nine and a half just seems like the public piling on because, AJ, as you mentioned, the the Cowboys looked so great against the Giants and no one trusts Zach Wilson. But the Jets' defense can keep them in this game and they can lose by a touchdown. They can lose by eight. I think the Jets cover this one. Especially because we're just assuming that the Cowboys' offense is elite. We don't know that because they we never really saw the Cowboys' right. offense last week. And Brandon Cooks is banged up. The, you know, I just yeah, new offensive system, new play caller, Mike McCarthy. It just seems like this. It's with a total of thirty-eight and a half. Just feels like take the nine and a half in this game. Yeah. The downside is trusting Zach Wilson against 
an even better defense than he saw mm-hmm. last week. Who scores more points in this game, Cowboys offense or Cowboys defense? I feel like it's going to be Oh, close. man. That, that's the scary thing is it, it feels like Zach Wilson's good for a couple turnovers in this game. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> the Commanders are at the Broncos. Broncos laying three and a half. And McKenzie, you like Denver here. I do. The Commanders had a very sloppy, bad offensive game, and they ended up winning. Broncos had a very similar game on the scoreboard and ended up losing. However, if you look at the underlying metrics, it wasn't even close. The Broncos were uh, efficient, didn't turn the ball over, two for three in the red zone. Russell wasn't a good QBR. They had very long drives. They only had six possessions, which explains why they only scored 16 points. But the exact opposite situation for the Commanders. They were against a very bad team that wasn't trying, and their offense was miserable. So I like the Broncos to bounce back here. So I don't know this as a fact. Also, one and overs. 0-1 0-1 versus 1-0. Exactly. Like I, I don't know this as a fact, but we do know, and I would love to look this up, we do know that some coaches like to give uh, victory Monday, right? You know, after a win, you get the day off on Monday, you don't have to come into the facility, you can, mm-hmm. you know, and then we'll start, we'll start the preparation on Tuesday, guys, we'll have our film session, get treatment and all that stuff. Maybe Ron Rivera does that. Maybe Ron Rivera gives victory Monday because in the first four weeks of the season, Ron Rivera is 5-12 and 12 ATS after a straight-up win. He is the least profitable coach in the NFL in that spot. First four weeks coming off of a win. Maybe he does give victory Monday, gives the guys a, a day off, and it's less time to prep for their next opponent. Could be something there. Could I like be. it. I'll say this. I want Jerry Judy in this game because he gives the Bron- the Broncos something that they clearly they need a big play threat. They didn't and with Dulcich out this this week, it it makes their offense look even worse to me. Uh they need someone who can take the top off. If he's announced in, though, this line's gonna run. It's gonna be four, four and a half. So you're kind of taking a chance here. I will say this. If to me, the commanders are one of the worst teams in the league, and this is the same number the Broncos laid against the Raiders last week. The Raiders are a better team than the Commanders. So if the if the Broncos were minus three and a half hosting the Raiders, they should be bigger than three and a half hosting the Commanders in my in my mind. Last thing, I'll take the money line instead of the three and a half. Uh, Fez got into some of the numbers, but it makes sense instead of the three and a half. Take minus one eighty. Thank me later. Well, and the total here is just thirty nine. Right. Last eight games in Denver in September. Seven and one to the under, average 36 and a half total points. 2017 written all over it. The final game is Sunday night football. The Patriots hosting the Dolphins. Miami, a three-point road favorite. And I was on an island here, guys. I, I took Miami and everybody else on the I told podcast. You. I tried to warn you. Took New England. Production. Well, I knew it was going to happen. I, I said, because <laughs> we already knew that Fez and AJ were on it. I said, RJ's going to come in and he's going to be on New England. I said, this is a, this is a three against one, you know, usually <laughs> three point line. Usually you have to pay double for that kind of action. Uh, but I, I looked at this Dolphins team in the way that they played in week one. And I just don't see how the Patriots stop this offense. And you're saying, well, it's Bill Belichick. He's done it before. No, he hasn't. Two is four and oh against Bill Belichick. He's four. four. Is he the only quarterback in history to be undefeated against the genius? Uh, Geno Smith, four and oh, ATS, Eli Manning, four and oh, ATS. Ah. So I don't know about Eli. I don't know about total undefeated, but yeah. as far as against the spread, Tua is four and zero both straight up and ATS against Bill Belichick last season. Uh, he was very efficient against them, throwing for two hundred and seventy yards, twenty three of thirty three passing, a touchdown, no picks, and that's really the only data point we have because he only played the one game 
And I don't count anything before that, really. We really shouldn't because it was without Mike McDaniel. It was without, you know, Tyreek Hill. And Belichick in the month of September, not ideal. 38-37-2 ATS. Mac Jones, 0-9, both straight up and ATS as an underdog of less than a touchdown. The average line, 2.9 points. And the, the Patriots have only scored an average of 18 points in those nine games. I like how people just give Belichick stats as if he was born in the year 2000. He coached for the Browns in the <laughs> 90s. He was very good in September back then, but you're right with the Patriots. Very good late in the season. Also, 50-50 we, in the middle in the beginning think, of the season. I just think we have to throw out all Belichick Patriots stats with Tom Brady. That's absurd. It's a very small sample size you're dealing with now when uh, it comes but to But I'm just saying like, like yeah. let's look at the Patriots now. They're 2 and 9 against the spread in their last 11 games as an underdog. This is not Tom Brady's Patriots. I understand Fair Bill Belichick's the greatest Tom coach. Brady was never an underdog. I, under, I understand <laughs> that. But what, rarely when he was, he always won. Exactly, and I understand Bill Belichick's the greatest coach in the history of the game, but this team is not a good team. 4.1 yards per play, 5.7 yards per play. That's what the Eagles averaged against the Patriots versus what they averaged against the Vikings. So to say that the Patriots' defense can't slow down an explosive offense, I disagree with that. Bill Belichick will take away a quarterback's best weapon, and I, I think— You're right. He completely took away DeAndre Swift last week. Oh, well, yeah. Two carries. He, he did. Completely he took him out away. of the game. He said, that guy's not playing today. <laughs> Here, The number that jumped out to me the most, the Patriots are 18-5 and five against the Dolphins at home in the Belichick era, and it, in the, enti- the t- entire time Bill Belichick's been coaching the Patriots, one time have the Dolphins beat the Patriots at home by more than a field goal mm. once in 23 years. Mm. I don't count anything. That was 2008. I don't count any Brady stuff. Any well, Brady stuff. Great count. news. Okay, That's has, the only time they did it. Brady right. had a blown yeah. out knee. Yeah. I don't count any Brady <laughs> stuff. Because you know what? Okay. Well, the Pats are two and one straight up in the post Brady era. Well, between 2003 and 2020, Bill Belichick, monster, 42 and 16 in September. But bye bye, Brady. He's two and five. In his last seven September games, you're right. In the last it makes, three it makes years. way more sense to use a seven game sample size versus yeah. like a fifty something. Yes, yeah, take the greatest quarterback in history off of the team and let's see what you do as a coach. You know the whole questions: Can, Is it Belichick or Brady? I don't know. One guy won a Super Bowl without the other, and that was Tom Brady, not Bill Belichick. Yeah, Bill. And since Brady left, Belichick twenty four twenty seven and one against the spread. Does it worry you that this line changed? Exactly. What has changed? You could have bet this at two on Monday after we saw the Dolphins offensive domination. And now it's three. Doesn't that get you off it somewhat? Doesn't that worry you? No, it just shows me that everyone's on my side. Right. You're just convinced by the market. Yeah. Everyone's on your side until the three. No no one else is no one's betting Miami minus three. They were all betting minus two. That three is pretty important. Mac Jones, four and oh against the Jets ATS. But 10, 18, and 1 against anybody else. I mean, well, He's the anti Josh Allen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 3 and 11 ATS as an underdog. I, I just, we'll see. We'll see. That's this why is we call a it a crossfire. That's why we call it a crossfire. Everyone is against me, and I'm going to be counting the Benjamins when the Dolphins win by three, and it's a push for everybody. <laughs> Here's $100 I'm not going to give yes. you. I'm going to give it. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas and they got a water bottle and they got like a celery chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, 
that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1 and all of a sudden you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With Pick 6, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. Let's take a look at some key college football games for this Saturday and for a full breakdown of the top 25 schedule, as well as AJ and I's best bets. Go listen to the Dream Preview College Football Edition. It's on the RJ Bell Dream Preview feed. You can listen to the full college football top 25 breakdown and the best bets on the college football pod. But let's focus on some key games for this weekend in the top 25, AJ. And I want to start with Colorado, Colorado State. I know it's not until Saturday night, but it's still probably the marquee game of the weekend, which is crazy. We're talking about Colorado, Colorado State is the marquee game tomorrow. But there was a story that came out yesterday about Colorado State head coach Jay Norvell and comments that he made about Colorado. Let me just read what uh, Jay Norvell had to say first. Quote, we had to do a bunch of ESPN videos, and it's great. I loved it. But our kids came out of those videos really with a chip on their shoulder. They're tired of all that stuff. They're really tired of it. I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them, I took my hat off, I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grownups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. They're not going to like us no matter what we say or do. It doesn't matter. So let's go up there and play, end quote. Now, the whole hat and glasses comment. That's directed at Dion. That's a dig at Coach Prime. Sure. And Dion Sanders had this to say to his team at practice yesterday. I'm out of my own business watching some film. Yes, sir. I'm out of my own business watching some film, trying to get ready. Trying to get out here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that they said about us. 
Talk to us. Once again, uh, talk to us. why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts off, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they unmatched Brown and made it what? It was just going to be a good game. They unmatched Brown and made it personal. It was going to be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they unmatched Brown and made it personal. I don't know about you, AJ, but I think Colorado wins by a million. Um, <laughs> don't you think this motivates Colorado State as well? I mean, I, they're I big do. dogs in the beginning. They they don't want to be shown up. What's funny is this for, game. This for, game was nine and a half yeah. in the summer. It's crazy. It's twenty three and a half now. They don't mess around and made it personal. <laughs> by the way, you read that quote. He actually said that on video, and it's like on the internet, but you don't see it. You see Deion Sanders' response. I would say 20, 30 times more. Way more. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the prime effect. Social media pushing out that video that we just played with uh, Coach Prime I talking mean, at the practice. Yeah, it's a cheat code in the social media game to yes. put out Colorado content right yes. now. Here's why. If I posted a video of Jay Norvell, you'd say, who's that? Who's that guy? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy click. Until he, said De- until he says Dion's name, and they're like, oh, what did he say about, what did he say about Colorado? <laughs> All right. What's this guy know about it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. There, there's reason, but again, I, I think that while they're going to take it personal, I, I, I think Colorado State looks at this as their Super Bowl now. This is a rival to them already. Uh, everybody's saying they're going to get smashed. I, I, I don't know. I, I directionally like Colorado State coming into this season. Um, they, they were disappointing to start. They lost to Washington State, but Washington State went and beat Wisconsin the next week. So maybe Washington State's not that bad. I, I, I hope selfishly that Colorado handles business here because I want them to get a good number against Oregon next week. I, I, and I, I want to back Oregon mm. at home against this Colorado team. So I want them three and zero, riding high, beating all the spreads. And then I want to back the ducks. So we're rooting for Colorado for a blowout. That's here. what I'm rooting for. So why don't we just lay the 23? Well, because I like what rooting I'm rooting for, for what from, I think is going to happen. Yeah. I'm waiting to make that bet next week. But don't you think that if they do have, let's the do lead, this. If they you do, make the bet, and then I'll ma- I'll make money off the bet next week that you made this week. But so don't we'll you both think win. That with the lead, like Dion's going to run up the score. Of course. Yeah. But do you think if you let me ask you this, and I your snap reaction, who's got a better offense, Colorado State or Nebraska? Colorado State. I agreed. Like, and you saw in the TCU game. They ran up the score, but their defense kept giving it up, too. Mm-hmm. Nebraska is the only team that couldn't take advantage of that because Nebraska's offense is disastrous. Jeff Sims sucks. So I, I while I think Colorado's – I played over 59. It's up to 61 now. I'd still play over 61. I think there's I, a lot of points scored I, in this game. But if I asked you who has a better offense, Colorado or Washington State? Colorado. Clearly. And Colorado State gave up 50 to Washington State last yeah. year. Yeah. So play the over. Don't mess around and say that Colorado's defense is going to get them separation yeah. in this game. Just play the over. Play Colorado's team total over. Mm. J- 23 and a half points is a lot to beat a team by, particularly a team that considers you their rival. I, I just don't like it. All right, let's talk about well, And other- you've got look ahead to Oregon yep. and USC. Your next two games are the two biggest games of Dion's coaching career. They gone made it personal. <laughs> let's talk about uh, some other games in the top 25. Number seven, Penn State is at Illinois and the Lions laying 14 and a half. Yeah, there's been an ugly start to the season for Illinois. Uh, it, it took them a field goal in the final five seconds to beat a Mac school in week one. Then they, uh, they got drubbed by Kansas in week two. Penn State is 
a, a force when they want to be. And James Franklin will run the score up on you when he can. The one concern I have is Bielema has played Franklin tough historically. So if you think this Illinois team is as good as some of the Wisconsin teams he had, maybe you look at Illinois. I don't. Uh, I'd like a first-half number on Penn State. I think Penn State jumps out on them early and, and puts the hammer on them. You can get that around 7.5. Yeah, I gave out Penn State. I think that they, they blow them out. Um, Drew Hours looked great to start the, se- start the season. Illinois, they, they couldn't handle – Kansas last week, and I think Aller in this Penn State offense does something very similar. Penn State having Iowa on deck is like my only concern. Mm. That's why I like first half more than full game. I could see them saying, "Okay, we we got this. Let's get out of here. Let's let's get ready for next week." Penn State scored at least thirty points in nine straight games. Yeah. That's the longest streak in the country. This and, o- this offense is so much yeah. better now than it was, and I get why they they stuck with Clifford because mm-hmm. he was like they were loyal to him. He was a good game manager. He didn't make mistakes, but they're so much more explosive now. Let's talk about South Carolina and number one Georgia. The Bulldogs laying 27 and a half at home. Can South Carolina keep it close? South Carolina is the last team to beat Georgia in Georgia back in 2019 uh, overtime win. The the week one data point concerns me against North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Allowing nine sacks to North Carolina, uh, negative two rushing yards for the game. That worries me when now you have to play Georgia's defense instead of North Carolina's defense. So this was a blowout last year, 48-7 win for Georgia. Brock Bowers caught three touchdowns. Which it seems that's how Georgia's winning their games. (laughs) 48-7 is is the score. (laughs) But the offense doesn't feel like it's as good this year as it was last year or the year before. Uh, they, they were in kind of cruise control against UT Martin and Ball State. Maybe it's because now, maybe now they've got an SEC opponent in front of them. They get a little more serious. But the Georgia defense is as dominant as ever. The Georgia offense feels like maybe it's ticked down a little bit. So I, I, I like the under in this game, if anything. Uh, I, I do think Georgia should be able to, to, to get there, but – I, I don't know that I trust what they're doing offensively right now, so I, I'll just stick with the under. Number eight, Washington is at Michigan State. Michigan State dealing with all the turmoil. Mel Tucker, their head coach, suspended. Uh, they are 2-0 to start the season, uh, but they're 16.5-point dogs here to Washington, who did not cover last week despite winning by 33. Yeah, I, I want to play Washington, but this feels like the most public side of the week. It mm-hmm. feels like every public guy is going to say, well, Michigan State's without their head coach. We got to play Washington, right? Um, this is Washington's first road game. They're in the Eastern time zone, which they don't go to very often. That stuff worries me a little bit. But, man, this Washington team, if they they made a couple mistakes last week, are they cover again? I, so I'm a little fl- frustrated because I lost with them last week. I lost, mm-hmm. the, I lost the spread and the total because they had a turnover in the red zone. And that's, uh, that, that's frustrating. It makes it hard to go back the next week and bet them. But they're so much better than Michigan State. Michigan State's bad. My one concern is they may be better without Mel Tucker. That's what <laughs> I think of Mel Tucker as a head coach. I, I like I, Michigan State. I knew as soon as they paid him, I was like, it's, it'll be three weeks before they regret that. Yeah. It was about that. Uh, Michigan State has won three games against FBS opponents going back to last season. They, they are in a worse shape than they've been in a long, long time. Tennessee, number 11, at Florida. And the spread down to Tennessee laying six. Yeah, you're not going to get a seven anymore, which bums me out. But this is one of those spots where I'm going to look to fade Tennessee. Uh, this is I, I've been saying I'm looking for one. I found it. 
my preseason assumption that Joe Milton is not going to be the same to this offense that Hendon Hooker was is accurate. He's not. He's not that same guy. Beating down Virginia doesn't tell me anything. Virginia's dreadful on offense or on defense, and they didn't come close to covering the 48-point spread they were laying against Austin P. It was never even a, a consideration that they could cover that. It's tough to bet on Graham Mertz. I get it. But Tennessee has not done anything in the swamp. 24-6 and six, Florida is in the last 30 matchups overall. There's been one. This is the first time in history, history of time, that Tennessee's been a six or more point favorite at the swamp. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. They they don't go down, and they've they've only won once there by more than three points going back that thirty year span. Uh, this is a a one sided rivalry, and I I, th- I think Florida can win this game outright. I, I think they're just the better team. I like the home dog here. I like Florida playing with something to prove, uh, coming off of you know last week, and I do think that. Tennessee could be a fade candidate at times this season. I've been looking for it. Here it yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's you know, we know that they have talent, but I don't know how good they are truly. So, uh, you know, Florida got some confidence back last week. Let's see how they ride here with some, with some momentum in the swamp. Once again, for a full breakdown of the top 25 card, including our best bets, you can listen to the College Football Podcast on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview Podcast feed, which includes a best bet for tonight. A.J., why don't you give the people that bet? Yeah, it's Air Force, uh, and I've given this out on uh, on the pod. I'll give it out again here. It's on social media. It's everywhere. I don't care. I like this game for Air Force. They, they, they lost last season as favorites to Utah State. I think they're pissed off about it. And this defense is badass. Uh, Utah State, I, I said coming into the season, they're going to be bad on offense. And then last week they put up 78 points. Someone even tweeted at me. Thought they were bad on offense. They put up 78 points against Idaho State. Oh, they're it was good. like the worst FCS team. <laughs> so that doesn't tell me anything. Air Force has given up 40 yards per game on the ground, 80 yards per game through the air, five points per game total through two games. And it's been bad competition, Robert Morris and Sam Houston, but they're making them look bad, and I think that's the key. They're making bad offenses look bad. That's going to happen to Utah State. I don't think they get anything on the board. Uh, I I think Air Force is a motivated home favorite here and with a team with an elite home field advantage uh, at altitude. So I like Air Force minus nine. Uh, I I think they handle business here. We have three games in total on the schedule for tonight. That Air Force game hosting Utah State. We have Virginia at Maryland. Maryland 14.5 point favorites. And Army at UTSA. UTSA laying 8.5. Uh, a lot of uh, it's, it's a big military community there in San Antonio. I would I would expect a lot of people rooting for Army as well in that Alamo Dome, AJ. Yeah, I, Frank Harris is in doubt. He was hurt last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's tweeting like he's going to play, but that's often what guys do. Um, I, I do, If he's not playing, I can't have any interest in UTSA. Uh, as far as that Maryland-Virginia game, I mentioned it earlier, Virginia's defense is so bad. And Maryland, their defense isn't great, but they can put up points. Uh, I, I like the Maryland team total. I, I would like the full game over, 
But Maryland is, or excuse me, Virginia is sticking with this quarterback musket who's like a Duquesne transfer. He absolutely stinks. They have a better guy on the bench. They're not going to him. I don't know why, but they're going to stick with musket. And that, that turns me off of the full game over. So I switched up. I'm going with the team total. I got over 30 and a half here uh, on, on Maryland's team total over against Virginia tonight. Make it six straight for the Texas Rangers. You know, it seems like every day they get bad news, but then they just keep winning. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen people just write them off already in the American League West, and it's like they've won six straight games. What are you writing them off of? They're a half game back of the Astros right now in the American League West. The Mariners, who have won two straight, they are a game and a half back of the Astros. That is the most interesting race right now in Major League Baseball. And the Tampa Bay Rays, who have won two straight, eight of their last ten, and the Orioles, who have dropped three straight that race is now interesting i'd say it's not as interesting as the three-team race i always think three-team races are more interesting than well, two-team races the yankees can still make the playoffs scott but yeah they got this 17 and a half back in the division <laughs> uh but the rays just one game back of the orioles in the american league east and wild card races the blue jays a uh, game and a half back of the Mariners for the third wild card in the American League. In the National League, the Diamondbacks, Reds, and Giants are all tied for the third wild card. The Marlins a half game back, and, you know, they got the bad news on the uh, Sandy Alcantara UCL strain, so we'll see. Uh, if he is able to pitch for the remainder of this season. Let's take a look at the lines for the games tonight. Garrett Cole gets the start for the Yankees. I feel like he has wrapped up the American League Cy Young Award. It's hard to argue it at this point. I don't know who else you'd look at and say, yep, that's the other guy. What what are the odds currently? Garrett Cole minus 1,400. Yeah, I I agree. Wrapped up. Who's, Who's the second favorite? Luis Castillo. No, Ten to one. That ain't happening. Yeah, Garrett Cole will win the Cy Young for the New York Yankees. Johan Oviedo scheduled to go for the Pirates. Johan Oviedo not likely to win the NL Cy Young. No, not going to happen. Uh, Yankees minus one seventy. The Braves are at the Marlins. Bryce Elder for Atlanta. Johnny Cueto for Miami. Braves are minus one ninety eight. Rays at the Orioles. This is it. This is the series right here to determine first place. In the American League East. And this is the final time that these two teams will play each other this season. So the Rays will have the three games here against Baltimore. Then three against the Angels. Three against Toronto. A quick two-game set against Boston. And finish up with three against Toronto. Meanwhile, Baltimore will have these three games against the Rays. And then they go three against Houston. Four against Cleveland, a quick two-game set against Washington, and then four against Boston to end the year. So, Who I, has the tiebreaker if they finish tied, it, and does this game impact it? Well, after the win last night for the Rays, they have pulled closer. So they uh, Baltimore leads the season series 6-4 right now. Okay. And so they still have three games left in this series. So if the Rays can— The Rays need to sweep the series to have the tiebreak. Yes, that would help them there. The Red Sox are at the Blue Jays. Brian Bello for Boston. Jose Barrios for Toronto. Blue Jays minus 135. Hunter Green goes for the Reds at the Mets. David Peterson for New York. This is even, minus 110 both ways. John Gray gets to start for the Rangers at Cleveland. Lucas Giolito goes for the Guardians. The Red Hot Rangers— Minus 115 on the road. Oh, fading Giolito can't be a bad idea, right? Six straight wins? I mean, ride this team, right? Seems that way. I mean, their best pitcher on the mound, and Giolito, uh, yeah. I, I, Rangers the only way I could look.
Bailey Ober gets the start for the Twins at the White Sox. Jesse Schlotens on the mound for Chicago. The Twins are minus 180. Astros at the Royals. Zach Greinke for Kansas City. Christian Javier for Houston. The Astros minus 192. Nationals at the Brewers. Wade Miley for Milwaukee. Jake Irvin for the Nats. The Brewers are minus 192. Phillies at the Cardinals. Aaron Nola for Philadelphia. Zach Thompson for St. Louis. Philly. Minus 135. Logan Webb goes for the Giants in Colorado at the Rockies. Chase Anderson for Colorado. Giants minus 218. Tariq Skubal gets the start for the Tigers at the Angels and Griffin Canning on the mound. This is even minus 110 both ways. I lean towards the Tigers there in Skubal. Rangers, well, excuse me, Padres are at the A's. Sean Newcomb for Oakland. Seth Lugo for San Diego. San Diego's minus 205. Justin Steele. All your boys on the mound. My boy on the mound for the Cubs at the Diamondbacks and Brandon Fad. Justin Steele and the Cubs minus 142. Still not out of the Cy Young Award race, although Blake Snell's outing the other night was He's starting really to put a squeeze. Strong. He's minus 350 now, Blake Snell. So Justin Steele, hey, back Don't it throw up. no hitter. Go throw a no-no. Yep. <laughs> and finally, the Dodgers are at the Mariners. George Kirby for Seattle. Bobby Miller for L.A. L.A., a small favorite, minus 115. UFC is back in Las Vegas tomorrow night. Not at the Apex. They're at the Big Boy down at T-Mobile. Big show. UFC Noche. And on the card, every fight but one is a Mexican fighter versus the world. So it's a uh, night to celebrate the Mexican fighters. They decided not to do it in Mexico. I'm not sure why, but it's all right. We get it here. The main event, Valentina Shevchenko versus... She's not Mexican. She is not. She takes on Alexa Grosso. She is Mexican. Who is. You, you knew that because I said every fight but one. That's a good call by you. Uh, and this is a rematch of the title fight where Alexa Grosso submitted Valentina. And that was a surprise. That was a huge surprise. Here's the deal. I'm going to go Valentina and Alexa Grosso goes to decision, minus 125. It's pretty clear Valentina's not the unstoppable force that she was a couple years ago. The the split decision over Talia Santos, her submission loss to Grosso, that's her last two fights. Not great. I'm not saying Grosso wasn't going to win that fight, even if Valentina doesn't make a mistake and miss a kick and end up getting choked out. But I can say if she doesn't make that mistake, she doesn't get choked out. Like, she, she doesn't get finished. So she went to the judges in both her fights against Amanda Nunes, who has a, historically a much more efficient finisher than Grosso. Grosso's seen the cards in 12 of her 19 fights. She's not a real finisher. I don't see Valentina making a fight-altering mistake again, and if she's being more careful, she's unlikely to get a finish herself. Grosso has been finished once as a pro. This all adds up to me to a close fight that goes to the judges Shevchenko Grasso, the main event, goes to decision, minus 125. That'll be my best bet. Okay, is it worth it to lay the juice, a little extra juice, to take the over four and a half instead of to go the distance? You can do that if you, if you think there might be a late finish, something like that. Well, that's like what I'm that. saying. Like, what if there's – it gives yourself a half a round just in case somebody gets a headlock and, and there's a submission late or, or – I don't know. The fatigue sets in late and somebody catches somebody. So often the fights that I'll do that in is like any anywhere from like 135 to 155 smaller guys 
who, when the, 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 they hear like that, you know, their, their guy says halfway in middle of round three. Well, that's 10 seconds. Okay. It's too late. <laughs> but when they say halfway, yeah. a lot of the times those guys say, Let, okay, let's empty the tank. Let's throw down. And those smaller guys still have energy left. So you, you never know what's going to happen in that last two and a half minutes. It could happen here. Um, typically in championship fights, there's less likely to be some you know crazy swing like that. These are high level fighters who mm. don't count on one crazy shot to win a fight. Uh, and in heavyweight fights, but if it gets to the last two and a half minutes, both those guys are tired anyway, so yeah. they're just laying on each other. But I, if you if you feel more comfortable that way, that's a way to do it. I, I prefer to to have the better number minus one twenty five on the decision prop. How many fights do you have on your UFC card for tomorrow? Nine plays. Nine. Nine. Times. If you'd like to get AJ's UFC card, you can take. $15 off if you use the promo code DOG15. DOG15 will get you $15 off anything at pregame.com, not just AJ's UFC card. You can use that $15 towards AJ's UFC card. You can use the $15 towards my college football card. You can use the $15 towards anything you'd like. Just use the promo code DOG15, and that will get you $15 off. At pregame.com. There's still time to enter our free to enter contests at pregame.com. Steve Fezzik's Beat Steve Fezzik College Football Contest is still going on, accepting entries. All you got to do is be the contestant that wins the most units, and then you can win $500. And you can win an extra $500 if you earn more than the 44.9 units that Fez won last year in college football. Free to enter and a chance to win $1,000. Doesn't get much better than that. Just go to pregame.com, click on contests, and find the Beat Steve Fezzik College Football Contest. From Mackenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. A.M.